This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode four of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. I am WKBW Sports Director Matt Bovey, joined, as always, by my co-host, Bill Sideline Reporter from WGR 550, Sal Capaccio. And we are getting to the point of the voluntary off-season workouts, where we're now going to put a wrap on that and shift our focus to mandatory minicamp. Sal, we're turning a corner, buddy. We're getting closer and closer to football, and it's about freaking time. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, you know, you go back to when the season unfortunately ended the way it did in Kansas City, and you think about the long road ahead. You think about all the different things that have to come into play that you have to get to, the draft, the combine before that, off-season workouts, OTAs, everything, right, free agency. And it's going to be a long way, and it's going to sit in the back of your head for a while. And for Bills fans, it is, and they can't wait to get to the new season. But then you have all that. You have the uh, schedule release, and everybody gets excited about it. And um, here we are, man. You got one, two days left of OTAs. We're recording this on Tuesday, so everybody knows. So they'll have Thursday and Friday, no media availability. And then mini camp, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next week. And then we are there. It's a dead week for like six weeks, dead period. And then they're back at training camp at St. John Fisher. It'll be here before we know it, and we'll all be ready for football again. Yeah. And it's funny because all the storylines that we talked about in some of the first episodes of the podcast were like, Hey, how big of a deal is it that Jordan Poyer isn't there? And he wasn't there for any of voluntary OTAs next week. He's got to be there. And if he's not, then it becomes a very real story. We get to see if there's any other surprises that come out. I don't think there really will be. He's probably the only name that we're unsure of if whether or not they're going to be there next week. But Sal, before we completely turn the page, you were just out at practice a little bit ago. So what were some of the things that stood out? You know, one thing that really stood out on the field was last week we talked about how Marquez Stevenson, the wide receiver, had a bit of the dropsies, right? I mean, he just um, he struggled a little bit catching the ball. Like one of the first plays I saw, deep ball, Josh Allen puts it on him. Um, he's covered by Kyrie Elam. And actually, just discussing with a few other media around, it basically was like, I don't think any position coach would have had a problem with the way the play played out, even though somebody won and somebody lost because Elam had good coverage. Stevenson caught the ball. Josh put it on him. It's just a good football play, right? That was cool. I was glad for Stevenson to have that bounce back right there. And he may have had a great week last week. He just didn't the day we were out there necessarily. Um Tyler Bass was money. I wrote it down. I think it was five for five. They went from like 33, 38, 43, 48, maybe four for four, whatever. But he was just basically making all his field goals. So um, those things stood out. And then, you know, who's not there? Stefan Diggs wasn't out there. Jordan Poyer wasn't out there. Micah Hyde wasn't out there. Von Miller wasn't out there. He had his pass rush summit, obviously, recently. So we know a lot of guys aren't going to be there necessarily. But next week's the week. It's mandatory. And even Brandon Bean told us this morning when we were out there, he did not have any indication that Jordan Poyer wouldn't be at mandatory minicamp. So we'll see where that goes. I got to say, and this is just kind of my read on it. Like after four weeks here, I feel like from being out at practice, the attendance has been very good 
for the Bills. I'm sure they would say that they probably want, not probably, they absolutely want everybody there. But really, besides Poyer, Hyde, I mean, Diggs was there about half the time. Von Miller was there about half the time. Josh missed two practices because of the match in Vegas. I mean, besides that, of the notable core players, everybody's pretty much been there at one point or another, besides the safeties. You're right about that. Um, I don't know and can't compare necessarily right now, like with a scorecard to years past, Mm -hmm. but I think there's been a day here. Like there was a day last week. I think we were kind of like when we were out there last week, we looked like, Oh, these guys are missing. But I mean, I think that's around the league and I think that's kind of normal to have a handful of guys missing. Otherwise, you know, going back to the first round of when they've been here for workouts, it seems like there's been very good attendance, especially by the newer guys, right? Including Von Miller, who's been here. And he's a guy making $20 million a year. He's not going, I'm good. I can sit at home and come back, come by when I feel like it. So that's really good. And obviously they want everybody. They want full attendance. It is voluntary. The one we're going to be watching next week, next week is Jordan Poyer to see if he shows up for mandatory mini camp, which starts on Tuesday. One of the guys, and I don't want to put you on the spot too much here, Sal, but one of the guys you were just mentioning was Kyir Elam. And I know Leslie Frazier was actually asked about him today. This is the first time we've heard from Leslie, I actually think since the end of last season. And he said that they need Elam to be basically ready to go right off the start of the season. It's very early, but in this limited sample size, what have you thought of the first round pick? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're not tackling right now or anything like that. Um, It's hard to get a feel for you know, how he's covering necessarily. But what I can tell you is he's very fluid as an athlete. He's long. Um, His change of direction is great. I think he kind of fits the scheme of what they want with the traits, knowing all of this that I'm saying to you right now, but what I see from him, but you know, we don't really have a body of work yet on what he can do against receivers. As I said, he did get beat, if you will, by Marco Stevenson on that pass. It was really good coverage though. I don't know what else he could have done differently to be quite honest with you. So, um, you know, I think we'll see time will tell as they go to mandatory minicamp and then training camp. We'll see in training camp. We'll all be out there. Fans will be out there. They'll have a chance mm-hmm. to see. And he does have to play right away. He's going to have to be ready. Even if Tredavious is healthy. Yeah. I think Kyrie Elam is probably the starting corner opposite Tredavious. And if not, that means Dane Jackson beat him out. And maybe we have questions about that and why that is happening. Um, but he's going to have to be ready to play right away. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about what Brandon Bean said later on in the episode, but Brandon Bean was asked about Tredavious White today, and he was asked if they had any sort of update, and he said they don't really have an update, but when they get to training camp, they'll have a better idea if he's days away or weeks away from being out on the field. So I think that's a good sign, at least that they're talking about, there's a chance that this guy's days away, and that's at the start of training camp. Tredavious White is an unbelievable player. I know he's coming off of the injury that he's coming off of. It's not an easy thing necessarily to come back from. That said, the way that this guy knows how to play and just the athletic ability that he has, if he's even on the field at any point during training camp, I'm going to be pretty confident that he's ready to go. If not right at the beginning of the season, very soon into the start of the season. And then when you match up with him in Elam, you would think you're going to have a pretty stout combination of corners, assuming that Trey is the player that we've seen him be since he was drafted here in Elam. He's got the making of somebody who looks like they could be a really strong player. He's big. Sal, we talked. He's a big dude. Like, he's bigger than I thought he would be. And it's not like that's been the biggest room these last couple of years. So I think he brings a little size. He brings a little stature. That's going to help them. Yeah, and he's got the football IQ and savvy. His dad played. His uncle played in the NFL. Um, so, you know, he brings with him, I think, all those boxes he checks that the Bills are looking for. And 
hard work and ethic. Remember the, the, the little clip they showed from his interview at the combine and mm-hmm. Sean McDermott's mm-hmm. reaction about, you know, how much he, how, how detail oriented he was in keeping notes, all those off the field boxes he checks too. So look, he's a rookie and he's going to, there's going to be times where we're probably watching him at training camp and may say, Oh, he gets beat or he struggles a little bit, but I think they'll get him up to speed pretty quickly. They're going to ask him to fit right in. And when it comes to Tredavious white, I keep saying this to people and I want listeners to know this. The bills are not going to give us or the fans any timeline on Tredavious white. Even if they feel he can play next week, they're not going to tell us mm-hmm. that if they feel he's going to be out two months. They're not going to tell us that because the minute they do that, they're putting themselves in a corner that you can't get out of. Because if they say he's ready next week and then he's not, now you have to answer. Why is that? Did he have a setback? You don't want to deal with that. If they say he's not going to be ready for two months into the season, that's going to raise questions. Well, wait a minute. That means 10 months after the surgery. How come it's not sooner than that? He will be out there when he's out there. We'll find out. And they're leaving this whole space open to we'll see when it happens. And they're not going to put themselves in a corner to telling us exactly when that is. They did say he will be in Buffalo all summer rehabbing though. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how it plays out, but they're making the right decision by not saying anything because then they don't have to have a timeline strapped to it. And that ultimately benefits them. So we heard from a lot of different people today. From Leslie Frazier, we heard from Matt Smiley, we heard from Brandon Bean. Sal, where do you want to start? Which guy? Let's go with Brandon Bean. He was the first up, and it was really the news that came out today, this morning, before we went down to the facility, Matt. And that is um, the Bills made some changes, some hires, and some promotions in their personnel department and football staff. And I think the biggest notable name here and position is Brian Gain has been named the assistant general manager. Brian Gain was with the Bills organization for a couple of years, and then he became the general manager of the Houston Texans. That didn't go so well only because really what appears to be an even Brandon Bean said in Houston, <laughs> it was maybe a bit of a power struggle Yeah, between, he didn't say between him and Bill O'Brien, but that's what it would oh, be. We all know. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So he gets fired essentially. Um, I think he was fired. I don't want to use the wrong term. I don't think he left. I think he was fired. Mm-hmm. There was a power struggle there. He comes back to Buffalo because he had already knowledge base of the organization, the players. He works his way back up. He was an assistant. And now he's the assistant GM to yeah. Brandon Bean. And the guys that it came down to, and Bean said this, Ryan Gain and Terrence Gray. Terrence Gray is phenomenal in what he does and his value to Brandon Bean in the organization. He has moved into the director of player personnel role, and he is still going to be a big part of this organization. It's funny because Gain was kind of the first domino to fall before any of the other dominoes fell with the front office group. And then the way it ended up working out is that he was coming back and then Joe Shane ultimately gets the Giants job and then he steps into that role. And if you're listening out there, and I understand, it's the assistant general manager. This is not going to be somebody that gets a ton of headlines. This is not going to be somebody that gets a lot of praise or gets a lot of criticism because much of what they do is kind of off to the side. But over these last couple of years, Joe Shane and Brandon Bean have been in lockstep on almost everything that they've done. And Brandon will be one of the first people to tell you how important Joe was to really the entire culture that they rebuilt in Buffalo. So I think Gain is going to be in charge of a lot of things that maybe we're not even privy to. There's a there's a word from your GM's past, the privy <laughs> word. But 
I think that he is going to play a big role here. It's also nice to see Terrence Gray kind of get that next promotion up, especially if he was a finalist here. We both know Terrence. He's a very nice man. He works very, very hard at what he does. And I think that this is what they want to do. They want to continue to promote from within. I know they interviewed a couple other candidates, but I think if you continue to promote from within, you kind of have a stronger pipeline because if this team continues to have the success that we think they're going to have, guess what? It's not going to be that long until Brian Gain probably gets a GM job. And then maybe Terrence Gray steps into the next role. And then maybe Terrence Gray gets a general manager job. Like you just don't know how it's going to work out. So that's why for me, I really like the idea of promoting within because I think it kind of gives you options, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. Keeps the train running too, right? That's the whole point of an organization. You're always reloading from what you have. You have, I've said this this way before, Matt. The Bills don't just have an organization. They have a program. They have a program that they like to keep, and that's what it is. And you keep replenishing the program with people, and those people move up. They move out. Someone else moves up into their spot, and that's exactly what they're trying to replicate here and to have, and that's what they've built really with them. And and Brandon Bean said you build it over time. You don't do it right away. You come in. You change things. You change a little bit here. You change a little bit there. And by the time you know we're, we're five years in now, you know you really get to this point where you have these excellent people. And yeah, Brian Gaines going to do a nice job because he's also going to be in lockstep with Brandon being the way that Joe Shane was. That's why he chose him for this job. He knows the way that Brandon thinks, what they want. He knows what his role is. Uh, good for him. Good for Terrence Gray. Matt, Mike Zabo has been named the college national scout. Dennis Locke goes to the senior director of football research. Uh, he is part of the analytics department. And then Matt Warswick, their director of team administration. We have seen Matt grow into this role from, well, look, I mean, and, and I'll say this, he's going to still be doing this part of it because I asked uh, Brandon Bean about it, but he's been essentially attached to the hip pocket of Sean McDermott for the last five years because he's been the assistant to the head coach. Anything McDermott needs, wants, he helps out the staff. He's been like a liaison to the football, uh, to, from the football department to the administrative and uh, you know, whatever, all those departments. And I, Matt Warswick, good for him. He's To me, he's always been a good soldier, if you will, a guy that always seems like he's doing everything that's asked of him. Absolutely. And then that's funny, too, because that also brings us to the next guy we heard from or one of the next guys that we heard from today. And that's Matt Smiley, who is the new special teams coordinator, who is the same way. He was working under Heath Farwell. He was the assistant guy. He was really in the trenches with the players. And then ultimately, he steps into this next role. He takes over the special teams. So we heard from him, Sal. What stood out from that conversation this morning? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Matt Smiley here and the not only personality he is because he is a personality, mm-hmm. but um, you know, what he had to say about, you know, the, the his coaching ability, or I should say the, the way he's going to coach and his philosophies and things like that. We'll talk about Matthew Smiley here on it's always game day in Buffalo. 